Welcome back or welcome to the Single Track Podcast. I'm your host, Finn Melanson, and in this episode, we are joined by Adam Peterman, who just this past weekend set a new course record at the Canyons 100K event in Auburn, California. In addition to race analysis and reflection on the big decision he has to make this week, either accepting the golden ticket to Western States or focusing instead on UTMB CCC later this summer, we also discuss a couple things including what it's like having a partner who is also an accomplished trail runner, being based in Missoula, Montana, working with and being mentored by Mike Foote over the years. Yes, we also talk about whether Adam would entertain the idea of running completely full-time. We talk about how his experience running at the University of Colorado has informed his perspective and approach in the ultra world. See here. We also talk about his success on the trails and whether that has had an influence on friends who still compete on the road and track. And of course, I also ask him how he thinks about his rapid ascension in the sport. Let's get started. Adam Peterman, welcome to the Single Track Podcast. Hey, Finn. Thanks so much for having me on. So I have a quick story to tell before we launch into the agenda here. We ran into each other, I think the day before the race at Michigan Bluff, and I think you were previewing the course there from Forest Hill. Anyways, we stopped to chat for a bit, and I think you were joking about the Canyons 100K preview episode that Brett and I did a couple days before the race. And in that episode, I predicted that you would finish fourth. And I'll be dead honest, I at the time, my rationale was that you were used to just running very fast at all times. It was a new distance. Maybe you wouldn't be able to run sustainably to get it done in 100K. Long story short, I was so completely wrong. You removed (laughs) any doubts that I had about your ability running well at this distance. And I'm also going to say what you just did at the Canyons 100K is probably one of the most impressive performances I've seen in the last few years. So that was a long-winded way of saying I'm wrong. You are crazy impressive. And uh, other than probably feeling satisfied, how are you feeling a couple days removed from the race? Well, thanks so much, man. Yeah, it was uh, it was fun running into you the day before, and uh, yeah, I I saw your prediction and I respected it. It made sense, you know. That was the first first long race for me. So, um, but no, I'm I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, energy levels are good. Uh, my quads are just really sore. I yeah, kind of blew out my quads, so haven't run yet, but gone on a few hikes and bike rides. So, cool. Well. We're definitely going to get into how the race went, and I think we'll also definitely have a discussion about where your mind is at choosing between Western States and UTMB uh, later in the episode, because I know there's a lot of fans of yours, fans of the sport who are dying to know. But I do have a couple background questions uh, first, because I think you just have a lot of interesting things going for you. The first thing is... uh, your partner is also a pretty accomplished ultra runner. And I'm curious how you guys met and, and what it's like just having somebody else in the family that's, you know, going after similar goals. Yeah, for sure. So uh, my girlfriend, Aaron and I, we started dating about five years ago, but we both ran for the University of Colorado on the cross country and track team. And so, yeah, we started dating there, uh, I think our fourth, fourth or fifth year, um, and she was actually quite a lot faster than I was in college. Um, I think she had like 11 All-Americans, like total beast. Uh, and then she went on to run pro for Northern Arizona Elite down in Flagstaff. Um, and so she trained down there for two yeah. years before actually getting injured and kind of 
just not interested in road running anymore. And so she moved back to Montana and started trail running. And no, it's been awesome. I think she saw a lot of success in ultra running really quickly. You know, she didn't really run for almost like competitively for about a year after retiring from NAZ. And in one of her first ultras, which was the Bandera 100K down in Texas, like she got a golden ticket right away. So she had a really quick entry into the sport. And no, it's, it's been super fun. I think it's awesome to have a partner who does similar things to you. Like we get to run together all the time and uh, like just get to explore Montana together. Uh, and it's good too. Like, like at this race, I was crewed by Erin, um, which was really helpful since she, she like, I crewed her at Western States. So no, it's been, it's been awesome. That's very cool. And I think, you know, you have a lot of other interesting people in your corner. Like we were talking offline. Uh, I think you were coached by, is it Mike foot back in high school? And he's been a friend and a colleague and, uh, sort of a mentor in the sport since then. I'm curious because we just had him on the podcast and awesome dude. Uh, what have you learned from him that stands out just in over the years? Oh yeah. Mike, Mike is a great guy. Um, he, so when I started running in high school, he, that was also his first year coaching. He was an assistant coach where I went to high school. Um, it's a, in Missoula here, it's called Hellgate. But uh, yeah, he, right when we started uh, getting to know each other, he also did his first hundred miler and he was really good right away. Um, and by my junior and senior year, you know, he was sponsored by the North Face. He was being the top American at UTMB. But like all the while, he was just the most humble guy. Like just, yeah, he would, he would like never brag about these accomplishments that he would throw down in these races. Um, so yeah, I think like when I was in high school, I totally thought like being a professional runner on trail or ultra, like that seemed like the coolest thing to me. Um, and I remember at that time, like Mike lived in a yurt, like he was just a total like dirtbag trail runner. And like, we all thought it was so cool. So I would say like, especially in high school, I would say like, that was my dream. Um, and then in college, you know, you get caught up in just like D1 running and running fast. And I think the trail running dream kind of faded away, but yeah, definitely in high school, he had a lot of influence there. Man, that's really cool. And now you work with his events company. So in addition Mm -hmm. to to running for Hoka, I think you you work with his events company. You're also doing coaching on the side with the local high school as well. So it all kind of comes back full circle. Is that true? Totally. Yeah. Like, uh, so right now I work for runner's edge events. Um, it's a company that puts on trail races here in Western Montana, uh, the biggest being the rut. So that's that burly race out at big sky, Montana. They have a 50 K 26 K 11 K VK. Um, but yeah, we just put on trail races throughout the year and it's, it's great. Mike is one of my bosses. And then the actual, the head coach at Hellgate is my other boss. So it's kind of funny, like my two bosses were my coaches in high school. It's like I never even needed to go to college. Um, but no, it's great. It's, uh, you know, they understand that running is my dream and my priority. And so it's really flexible with that. But at the same time, like, I don't only have running in my life, like I have other obligations. And I, th- I think that's good. Like, I enjoy having things to do in the middle of the day to keep my sanity. Um, and then in addition to that, I'm yeah part-time yeah. volunteer coach for uh, Hellgate High School right now for track. 
for uh, frequent listeners of the podcast, they're going to call me a broken record for asking this question. But I always ask folks like you, you know, if you were given the opportunity, especially given what you've done in the last year at all these different races, JFK, Speedgoat, uh, Canyons, would you ever entertain the idea of doing this completely full-time where like all you had to do from a deep work standpoint, day in, day out, was just focus on running? I mean, I, I, I think I could entertain the idea of it. Like it's, it's nice to think about sometimes like when you go on these trips, uh, to travel to a race or I think about it sometimes like when it's winter in Montana and like not good skiing or anything, like it sounds really nice just to go down to Moab or something or go down to Arizona for like a month or two or probably just a month. Um, but I don't know, like sometimes it sounds appealing, but then other times I feel like I wouldn't feel very fulfilled. Uh, at least with like the job I have right now with runners at events, putting on races, like I feel like I'm helping people and like accomplishing something outside of running. Um, yeah. And like in college, there would be periods where, you know, like track would end and you still have, or sorry, school would end and you still have track. And you'd have like a few weeks there where you were just living like a professional runner. And like, yeah, that was really fun. Really, really fun. Um, but I feel like if, like now it's different, you know, like I don't have a team. I don't have like a group of guys I'm hanging out with and training with day in and day out. And so, I don't know, just being fully pro in trail running, I feel like it would be kind of isolating, but maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know. No, I think that's an interesting take. Um, and I'm, I think one of the reasons why I'm always curious about that question is like you said, you, you ran collegiately at UC Boulder and you've experienced what the full-time lifestyle looks like. But I think the key variable there might be the team environment. And when you're left to your own devices, maybe it's harder to develop the why or to be held accountable or when injuries inevitably happen, uh, I guess in the college environment, you can fall back on academics, but there's less to fall back on in like a professional environment. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, I feel like it'd be really hard when you were injured to have, yeah, just nothing else going on. I think you would start to lose your sanity. Have you ever talked with like Jim Walmsley about it or Hayden or anybody else on the Hoka team that, uh, does, is, am I correct in saying, does Jim do it like totally full-time? Yeah, I think, <clears throat> I think that's his full-time gig. I, I know he used to work at a bike shop, but I feel like that ended a while yep. ago. And then Hayden coaches people. Yeah. I know he, I know he has some athletes, so, which that's a, oh, that's yeah, that's right. a great gig too, right. you know, okay. really flexible on your own time and Yeah. So I, th I was just reading this article, a great interview you had in Trail Runner Magazine, and I think you were reflecting back on your collegiate career. And you said something along the lines of, you know, during those four years, or at least the latter two, you were injured a lot. It was hard to come back from setbacks in like a sustainable way. And I think you might have been dissatisfied with the way things just sort of panned out. I'm curious if that's had any um, influence on the way you run now. So for example, on one side of things, do you feel like you are doing this because you have something to prove, like you're trying to still get the best out of yourself because it wasn't realized there? Or maybe in another corner, are you doing this because you simply love running and this is an opportunity to do it like injury free or yeah, just with like less setbacks and less downtime? Yeah, I, I think it's both. Like I, I do remember just finishing college and being like really not satisfied with like the performances I had and like the athlete I was at the end of it. 
Um, and yeah, it was just really frustrating getting injured like that. I think I had two years that were pretty healthy. And then, yeah, the third, fourth, and fifth year, like always had something. And even the fourth, my fourth year, I hardly even ran. Like I just had chronic Achilles problems. Uh, but yeah, I just remember finishing and being super frustrated and not really wanting to have anything to do with running anymore. And that's probably part of the reason why I came back to Montana right away. Uh, I'm from Montana, so I just, I moved right back and like started doing way more outdoor stuff again. And I feel like that might've led me down this path towards trail running. So who's to say, like, mm. if, I, if I did end up having like a really good college career, I might still be like trying to do the steeplechase or trying to be a track athlete. Yeah. And I don't know, for me, like, I'm so glad I trail run. It's just, I, I love it so much. And I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I really am more fulfilled trail running and doing that type of, of training. So like, maybe it's, maybe it's good that I was injured. So I didn't just keep like trying to hit the steeplechase and do that. Well, it's funny. I was looking at your Instagram a couple of days before the race and you were getting some shout outs from a couple, you know, big guys in the road and track scene. Like I think Joe Klecker oh, gave yeah. you a shout out, you know, saying I'm rooting for you at Canyons and I think oh, same man, thing with beast. Sam Parsons. And I'm just wondering, like, maybe are you changing some minds in that side of running? Like, are you uh, having some folks maybe in your collegiate graduating class second guessing whether they made the right decision going over to the road and track and maybe oh. the trails is where it's at? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'm definitely not convincing Joe Klecker to change his mind. I think he's found plenty of success on the uh, uh, on the track. Although I did, re- he has said before he would love to break his dad's uh, 50 mile world record. Because so before Walmsley had the 50 mile world record, Barney oh, yeah. Klecker had it, and that's Joe's dad. That's his dad, which is legendary. Wow. Apparently, like he didn't even like drink water or anything. He's like did it with no calories. <laughs> and I'm I'm very guilty of this, but I always uh, assume that like the sport of ultra running didn't get fast until like, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. But no, there were crushers that came directly from pretty strong running pedigrees that were getting it done back in the day and with like less good gear and oh, less sure. nutrition knowledge. I mean, you just mentioned the no water 50 mile world record. Oh, That's yeah. insane. I can't imagine like the shoes that Barney was wearing during that attempt either. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think... Like, I hope some of my friends think that trail running is, like, more legitimate than they yeah. used to. Like, people who, I, I don't know, like, I think a lot of people don't think trail running is very competitive. Like, if they're coming from a road background, because they just look at the paces and see, like, how slow it is. Um, but it's just, like, yeah. such a different sport. Like, you throw in the terrain and, the like, the time you're out there and the elevation, like, it's just so, so different than road running. Um, and so, yeah, like hopefully, yeah, maybe some of my friends from college realize that, but who knows? Um, I, I, one of my teammates though, who had a lot of injuries just switched to trail running as well. So I'm happy for him. I think they're finding more success really? with it. And it, her name's Tabor, Tabor Steven, or sorry, not Tabor okay. Stevens, Tabor Scholl. Tabor Scholl. Okay. She ran for Colorado cool. as well. Yeah, and I, I don't know if you saw this in the Canyons 25K race, but Garrett Heath won. And yeah. I mean, Garrett Heath is like a legend in the cross-country scene. And uh, I mean, yeah. the guy beat Mo Farah at Edinburgh. Yeah, in the 4K, like a, multiple times. No, I think that's really cool to see. 
I would love to see him and Max King race each other in like a shorter race because, yeah, both of them, I guess Garrett more recently, but came from like that track pedigree. And yeah, I feel like he could do so well. A couple more questions that I want to ask you before we uh, get into Canyon's analysis. So again, admittedly, you only came on my radar after the Speedgoat 50K last year, but if I look at your results, like you had already won the Moab Marathon, I think two or three times, and by all measures established yourself as an elite trail runner. I'm curious, like, do you think that there's a pretty significant difference in terms of publicity between the sub-ultra and ultra scenes? Because it's just interesting to me that like, People who follow trail, just you weren't on their radar until like 2021. So I'm curious if you have any thoughts there. And you've had like three years of solid results. So it wasn't like you came out of nowhere. Yeah, I I would agree. I think think in the U.S. that uh, people are just more excited about these longer races. Uh, I I don't know why. Like maybe just because 100 miles is it just sounds like so far and it's like this nice round number. Um, but I think definitely in Europe, like they're more excited about these shorter type trail races. Cause yeah, like I won the Moab marathon in 2019 and that was like my first good trail result. Um, and that race couples as the USATF trail marathon national championship. And so I remember finishing that and I was like, Oh Mm. my gosh, like I'm a national champion. Like this is such a big deal. And like, It was it like it was to me like it it was definitely a really big deal to me since I'd had like so much many problems in college and stuff. But then like after that race, I like never heard from anybody. And even like some of my friends in Montana were like, well, well, like that race isn't very competitive. Like, uh, you know, that's just not how trail running is. It's not always about the USATF meets. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think. Trail running is funny because there's so many different races and until you're like really in it, you don't realize which ones are the most competitive. Cause as a college guy, I'm like, Oh yeah. USATF national championship for trail running. Like that's going to be the most competitive race. <laughs> and then you roll up and it's like, it's not, it's just not the way it is always. Well, I, I don't want to undersell the accomplishment. It was an incredible time and, and obviously finish, but yeah, you would think as an outside observer, you would think that like, the marathon trail championships would at least have some parallel to the Olympic trials qualifier on the roads for the marathons or something, something of that nature, like a one-to-one, but yeah, you quickly learn in trail that there's like 18 different championships for the same distance and everyone's trying to be it. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I know there's, yeah, there's so many different, uh, races that call themselves like the world championships or the national championships is, yeah, it's, it's hard to pick and choose, but yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about canyons for a bit. Yeah. Going in, I'm curious because this was probably my biggest concern. Were you preparing to truly race this from start to finish, or was there some expectation that you were going to leave at least some energy in the tank for a certain moment in the race? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think I was prepared to just race it start to finish. Like just having not ever run that far before and knowing that it was going to take like eight, nine or 10 hours. Like I just, my plan going in was like to try to run the pace that I would run for like a 20 mile trail run. That is like steady. That's kind of what I figured. I was like, I think I can hit that effort for like nine hours. 
Um, and that ended up working mm. pretty well. Like I knew that I couldn't treat it like a JFK, a race like that, you know, something that takes five hours. Um, so yeah, I just, I just tried to gauge my effort that way. And I, I figured the last 20 miles would be really hard. And yeah, that was correct. Did you think going in, like when you look at the the field of runners, the David Sinclairs of the world, et cetera, did you anticipate sharing that many miles of the race in the vicinity of like David, for example, or did you think given, yeah, the, the pacing goals you had that you'd be on your own Island for a majority of it? Yeah, honestly, I, uh, David and Jared and, uh, Tim Frerichs were definitely the guys that I was most worried about. Um, yeah. And, but yeah, the pace that we were running like through forest Hill, I want to say like, I surely thought that if we had hit that, like I would have been alone. And so I was, I was really surprised when I got dropped at Forest Hill by David Sinclair. And then he had like a couple minutes on me by Michigan bluff. Um, I was really surprised because first of all, I didn't really realize how fast we were going. And then when I finally realized how fast we were going, I was like, man, I, I really thought I would have been alone going this fast, like at this point in the race. So it was a really good race for David and I'm stoked for him. I mean, I feel like that's his biggest result too. Like he's put up some great results in the past, yeah. but I feel like the time that he just ran at, at canyons was super legit. And yeah, I, I hope he ventures into the ultra world like that. Cause that was awesome. Me too. Yeah. Well, I'm curious about that moment at forest hill and beyond like psychologically, uh, how do you respond to that move by David and, what's going through your head? Do you think to yourself, there's still a lot of race left and I'm feeling good and maybe I'll reel him back in at some point? Or do you feel like, uh, actually he caught me as I'm starting to falter and feel tired and I'm going to need to regroup and we'll see where the race goes. Yeah, I definitely, um, I think that period was really tough. So yeah, Forest Hill was like mile 33 and then Michigan Bluff is mile 38. So, you know, there's like 45 minutes there where he dropped me out of Forest Hill and then I couldn't see him for a long time. And by the time, by the time we got to Michigan bluff, I think I had, he was probably like two minutes ahead of me. And, you know, I, I try to like not let a bunch of doubt creep into my head during these races, but like, I was, I was pretty, I was not happy. Like I, I totally thought that he was going to run away with it at that point. Um, and you know, I, I never had like any thoughts of throwing in the towel or anything like that, but yeah, I, I definitely had to like work really hard to catch up to him. And I think it just came down to me. First of all, like when things are starting to get tough, I usually try to like break it down and be like, okay, like, am I, do I have enough food in me? Like, do I have enough water? Like, am I relaxed? Like I try to mm. like kind of problem solve. Mm. And I think I ate like 700 yeah. calories in 45 minutes between Forest Hill and Michigan Bluff. Cause I was like, I'll just keep eating. Like, I just keep eating. I'll eventually catch him or not, but I won't, I won't explode. Uh, but, and then eventually, like, I think right before Michigan bluff, like I realized I was running like six thirty pace on the flats. Like we were still running pretty fast. Mm. And I was like, okay, well, David is obviously just having a great day and I'm not having a bad day. So I'm just going to keep running my race. Um, but yeah, there were 45 minutes there where I was like, not happy. Are you mentally preparing for this race ahead of time? Is there stuff you do from like a mental skills standpoint, uh, 
to get ready for these these moments of adversity inevitably at like mile 40 of a race? Uh, yeah, I think maybe not. I, I don't like visualize the race that much ahead of time, but I definitely, I just really try not to like become too negative at any point. Like that was one thing that I changed a lot after college was I, I kind of realized after I graduated college that I had been just kind of like developed this negative mindset. Um, and it wasn't, I actually read a book. Have you ever read Let Your Mind Run by Dina Castor? No, but I'm it, writing that down. That sounds good. Yeah, it's it's kind of kind of cheesy sometimes, but I it I don't know, it like really resonated with me uh to like focus more on having like a growth mindset or a positive mindset and that I think really helped my running um post collegiately just 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 be more positive and instead of like getting really upset when things went poorly or like during a race when you get dropped like just try to like problem solve the the issue. So I think I just try to yeah. do that throughout like the day, like running or whatever. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess I don't, I don't mm. necessarily like visualize the race ahead of time though, like that. That's cool though. We will link to that book in the show notes. Uh, I hadn't heard of it. We just had Addie Bracy on the podcast who wrote mental training for ultra running, which is I think another excellent book. If that's an area of, um, the sport that you know people are looking to level up in oh right on i didn't realize she i didn't realize she wrote that that's cool oh yeah no it's good yeah we did i'll send you the pod after this but it's she's good she's really impressive um cool. a couple more questions about the race i'm curious what those last 10 to 15 miles looked like and yeah what did it look like sort of catching up to david pulling away and uh how are you feeling for example on that final climb where you're you know you're gaining like three thousand feet and then yeah. you got those just horrendous last three miles you yeah. know <laughs> splashing through these murky puddles that could be a couple inches deep could be a foot deep yeah totally oh that part was crazy yeah so uh let's see so we left michigan bluff so mile 38 and you have a pretty big descent i want to say it's a few miles long and i think you lose like two thousand feet and so I, I felt like that was going okay like my legs were still there. I just, I couldn't see David anymore. And I remember I passed some guy who was hiking and I was like, Hey, how far ahead's that guy? And he's like three, maybe four minutes. And so then I was like, Oh geez, like, all right. It's like, we better grind. Um, and so, yeah, I got to the bottom, crossed that bridge and then you have a pretty long climb all the way back up to Deadwood at mile 45. And Fortunately, like by that point, I think, I think all those calories I ate like kicked in because I was able to hit that pretty hard and yeah, that was good. Um, I finally felt like I was kind of like crawling out of like the hole that I'd been in. Um, and it's steep, you know, like I just, I remember I hit like a 12 minute mile, but I was like, well, I remember this is like the, one of the steeper parts of the course. So I remember I was like happy to see that I hit a 12 and I was thinking, like, maybe there'd be a chance that I'll catch David if I can, like, hold this effort. And, yeah, so I, I just worked, like, pretty hard up to Deadwood. And fortunately, like, finally when I got to the aid station, I saw him up ahead. Uh, and, yeah, there was, like, a steeper climb leaving the aid station. And he was walking. And I was running. And so once I saw that, I was like, all right, like, I think I got this if I don't blow up. 
And so, you know, I, I passed him there. He's so nice. Both of us are like, oh, good job, good job. And he's like, oh, dude, you're, you're killing it. Like, I love trail running because you can have this moment where, like, it's really competitive, but uh, people are really encouraging. Um, but, yeah, it did take, I want to say, it took that whole five-mile climb for me to finally catch him. Yeah, that camaraderie element you just described is like one of the reasons I love this sport. Like you can want to beat the competition, but you see them out there suffering on that same exact terrain at that point in the race and you can't help but have a fair bit of empathy. It's, it's such a beautiful thing in our sport. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool because you know, you know what he feels like. Yeah, I do want to, uh, to get to sort of the golden ticket uh, decision and or speculation here in a second, but um, this was obviously your first foray into the 100k uh racing distance i'm curious i know we're only you know four days removed from the event but are there any big takeaways or or big lessons that you're taking from the experience that you're going to carry into um you know races like utmb western states etc oh for sure yeah i i feel like i learned a lot in this race especially during um and i'm happy that it had like a i'm happy it had a good result at the end um it's definitely like a race i'm really proud of because I just keep like getting you, every time I do an ultra, it's like reinforced that you're going to have periods where you feel like terrible and like, that's okay. Um, Cause there were definitely like some moments, like I was talking about earlier, like right around mile 38 to 45 or whatever, where it was just really, really tough. And I definitely had moments where I was like thinking like, Ooh, like, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to go from a competitive standpoint. Like I'm going to finish. But like I might be, I might be going backwards pretty soon here. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think I think just like having that adversity, but like still having a good result and like problem solving and making sure I'm just eating a bunch. Like learned a lot from that. Uh, but yeah, there's still plenty to learn. Like you know that race that we just did, it wasn't very hot, so there was like no heat management. Like you'd have at states. Um, you know, yeah. it was mainly in the daylight. It's not going to be dark like things at UTMB. So, yeah, there's a lot a lot more to learn in the sport for sure. Well, I think this is a good segue into the golden ticket section of this conversation. First, given that you're choosing right now between UTMB and Western States, regardless of which one you choose, there is going to be a new distance for you to experience. And I think a lot of listeners, myself included, uh, we're curious how you think about moving up in distance. So like, how do you determine, for example, that you're ready, that even regardless of whether you choose UTMB or Western States, you have decided that, um, you know, the hundred mile event is something that interests you versus, you know, the route that David Sinclair took where he's like, eh, I'm not ready yet. I'm going to hang around hundred K distance, 50 miles, stuff like that for a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, like just deciding when you're ready, I guess. Um, I don't know. I think I look a lot at how like other guys train, you know, I follow like Hayden, uh, Hayden Hawks and Jim Walmsley on Strava and then like guys like Tim Tolfson. And I think uh, I just realized that like, I guess my misconception was I thought these guys were doing like 40 mile long runs every weekend, you know, like I think that's the road and track background in me thinking that like your long run has to be a certain percentage of your race. Um, and so once I, once I realized like they weren't actually doing that, and I realized this like a couple of years ago, I was like, okay, well, even if I'm running only a hundred miles a week or 110 miles a week, like 
a lot of these guys aren't running that much more than that. There are, there are some outliers, but um, yeah, I guess to answer your question, like for a couple of years, I've felt like um, I've been training at that level or closer to that level than I would have expected. Um, but yeah, like a race like Western States, for example, at the hundred, like if it goes really well, it takes like 14 hours and change. And so that feels like something I'd be more ready for compared to a race, like the, the whole loop at UTMB. Cause what on a really good day that takes like 23 or 20, 24 hours. Like, yeah, I guess it depends on the hundred, but, uh, I feel like right now I could do well in a race that's like five hours to maybe 15 hours, but yeah, definitely not ready for something like the whole 106 mile UTMB loop. I think I want to wait a few years, just have more, more hours under my belt. <laughs> Let's break this down. What I'll ask you about Western first. What, what excites you the most about Western States? And then maybe conversely, what concerns you the most about Western States? Like what would make you want to choose for the latter part of that? What would make you want to choose UTMB because there's something about Western that, you know, for example, might not fit your skill set. Yeah, I think like what last year I got to go to Western States and crew Aaron, um, which was really, really cool. Like, unfortunately, mm-hmm. like her race experience didn't go very well. She just overheated um, and had to kind of pull the plug pretty early. But yeah, just being down there and like the whole history of the event is so cool. I think it's sweet that it just goes from like, it just goes so far. It's a point to point hundred miler. Like you start in pretty much Tahoe and then you end in Auburn. And like, I don't know. It's just like, if you draw that line on a map and it's like a map of the U S like it's a pretty long line. It's, it's really cool to see. Um, and I just remember like following that race, even when I was in college, like not really following ultra running. And so to me, like for American mm-hmm. trail running, like Western States is like the pinnacle. Uh, so I think yeah. it would be it'd be really, really cool to be a part of that. And also like having just done well at Canyons, which a lot of that course is on the Western States course, there's there's a part of me that thinks like I could do really well. Um but what what worries me for sure is like the heat, you know? Like I live in Montana and it's it's not that hot. Especially like the time you'd be training for Western mm-hmm. States, like right now for the next couple of months. Like May and June just yeah. aren't that hot here. So yeah, I think I think for that race to go well, like you'd have to have a really good strategy for dealing with the heat. Um, whether it's like a heat management strategy or heat training, sauna, I, I don't know. Um, so that's yeah, that's what like worries me about Western states is mainly the heat. And I know that you said earlier on when I asked you about canyons that um, you were going to race it from start to finish. Would you apply that similar mentality and strategy to Western, like? Would you not just race to win, but also, you know, maybe even go for like a course record, for example? Oh, man. The course record at Western States is insane. What, 1409 or something like that? Uh, yeah. 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 That Jim's course record there like blows my mind. So, uh, yeah, I just feel like if I was to do Western States, I would, I would just have to treat it like I was going out for like, I'm I'm trying to imagine the pacing right now. Like you'd have to treat it like you're just going out for like an easy run or something. Like, you know, just to have to have it be that hot and you're going for 14, 15, 16 plus hours, like uh 
I think it would be really bad for me to like try to be hitting it hard early. Like, I think that's just a surefire way to be like DNFing really early. How about yeah. we do the same exercise for UTMB? What about UTMB? Yeah. What excites you there? Yeah, I, well, I think I, so I'm qualified for CCC. So it'd be the hundred K there. Um, okay. Okay. So yeah, I guess to me, that seems like the safer option, right? Cause it's like, it's just logical, right? Like, oh, he, I did 100K here. I'll do 100K later. Like, because I've been doing 50Ks, now I move to the 100K. And then, like, in a couple of years, I do the 100 mile. So that's like, that's what I like about CCC. And I also, I just everything I hear about UTMB is that it's like unbelievable. You know, like hearing from Mike Foote when I'm in high school yeah. and he's my assistant coach, just he would talk about this race in Europe and like the trails and the whole energy around it. Like it just sounded unreal. Um, so that's definitely a race that I, yeah, I really want to do it. And then like training for UTMB, the fact that I live in Montana, like it's a really, it's a really great thing to do all summer is to be training for this race. You know, I'd be, I'd be like exploring all the wilderness areas that we have and I don't have to worry about heat training. Um, and just like July and August in Montana, like up in the high country, it's, it's pretty hard to beat. So that's, that's definitely yeah. what attracts me to UTMB um, and gets me excited about doing it in the future, whether it's this year or next or yeah, who knows? Well, which race do you think currently suits your skill set best? Uh, gosh, I feel like pro- probably it's hard to say. Like if, if I had done poorly at canyons, I would have said like UTMB, although that's not necessarily true because it wasn't hot. Uh, I guess like UTMB would just because like the heat's kind of an element that I'm not sure how I do. Like I've never run an ultra when it's really hot, but like that also excites me about states, you know, I like, I don't want to just put a limit and be like, well, yeah, I think UTMB is better for me. So that's like what I need to do. Like, I don't know. I also just want to test myself against this historic course and that would be states. Yeah. Well, without, uh, actually, I guess I am putting you on the spot no matter how I phrase this question, yeah. but where are you at with the decision right now? A couple of days removed. Like, are you leaning towards Western? Are you leaning towards CCC? Have you made a decision? What, what are you thinking right now? Uh, you know, I've, I've talked to a few different people. I've talked to Mike foot and I talked to Tim Tolson as well, since he's done really well in both races and I get, everyone has like a certain opinion, but they all just say to do what you're most excited about. Um, and so, yeah, I would say like right now, I'm most excited about Western states. Like that gets me really fired up. Um, what I'm afraid of is like probably, yeah, like I said, the heat and then the turnaround time from canyons, is just like kind of tight. Um, like my, right now, my quads from canyons, they're like shot. So I just want to like run in a few days and see how I feel, I guess. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like mm. I'm leaning towards states at this point, but I just need to go out for a few runs and see, and then I'll announce probably sometime next week what we decide. But yeah, if I say states, that means I probably felt pretty good on those runs. And if I say CCC, then maybe I'm injured and I don't realize it. Is it possible to hedge? Like, for example, could you take the golden ticket to Western States, but also take the entry to CCC and 
That way, you know, let's just say, again, worst case scenario, Western States doesn't go to your liking. You at least have uh, CCC as like the insurance policy and you can go there and maybe take care of business. Yeah, that's a good point. I actually hadn't thought of that, but yeah, I believe I have an entry into CCC for this year and next year. So uh, yeah, that's probably totally possible. Um, But there was also like one thing I I guess I didn't mention earlier, but uh, there was a lesson I learned in high school that I like can't stop thinking about right now. Uh, So when I was a senior in high school, I ran at the Nike regional meet uh, and qualified for Nike nationals. So that was a really big deal. Like that was, that was my goal for all of high school was to qualify for a national meet. But at the same time as Nike Nationals, the same day was Foot Locker West, which is the other national meet for high schoolers. And instead yeah. of going to Nike Nationals, I chose to go to Foot Locker West and try to go to that meet instead because I had deemed that Foot Locker was more competitive. And I went to Foot Locker West and I didn't qualify for the Nationals. I had like a horrible day. And so that... I remember finishing Foot Locker and like being so frustrated with myself because here I'd had this like great opportunity to run at Nike Nationals and I didn't take it. And then then I just didn't get to do any national meet. And so I definitely like think about that a lot right now. And I'm like, look, I have like I have a golden ticket for this year in front of me. Am I really gonna turn it away and like try to get it at another mm. time? Because like, who's to say if things stay good? You know, like I, I'd like to think that I can qualify for Western States in a year or two, but like, you never know. Yeah. So that's another thing that like kind of bothers me uh, that I think about a lot, and so we'll see. Yeah. You know, I I forgot to ask this question earlier, so I'll ask it now. I'm, I'm curious. Uh, you know, let's just rewind back again to 2019 when you entered the sport. Did you anticipate that? Three years later in 2022, you'd be looking back at this much success this quickly in the sport. And I'm curious oh, what your man. expectations were as well. I um, I thought that if I could handle running this far, that I could do well. Um, I think my biggest worry that I was that I would just be injured if I ran this far. Because like I said, in college, like I would just get injured all the time. Like it was always like my Achilles or like something with my ankles, like I always had lower leg problems. And so I mm. I was excited when I was having success in trail running, but I was like really hesitant to like project it into the future because I knew at any moment like I might get injured again. And fortunately, you know, I've just been mm. really diligent with like having a good strength routine and seeing a great PT and like I've stayed really healthy the last three or four years and not really had many problems. Um, and fortunately for me, like mm. the injury that I do get is always my Achilles and I like have a handle on it now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. Well, I'll say this as a fan of the sport because I think a lot of people would back me up. I, I would put you right there on the same pedestal as Jim Walmsley, Tim Tollefson, Hayden Hawks in terms of the leading American men in this sport. I'm curious, do you feel at this point that you have arrived there and that you're part of the conversation? I, and I guess I should also ask. Is that something you even care about and pay attention to? Or are you just like focused on yourself and the activity? Um, well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. That's really nice to say. Uh, you know, I, I think like I like I think it's fair to say that, although I've never raced those guys. Like 
I haven't been in races like them where it's like this international caliber event. Um, but then again, I've done like yeah. races that they've done and had similar results, right? Like, like JFK, I was a minute off Hayden Hawks' record and speed goat. I broke gyms by like 30 seconds or something like that. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, it's kind of funny. Uh, Jim Walmsley has a Montana background. He, he lived in great falls, which is a town here in Montana. He lived here. Gosh, I don't know, like in 2013 or something like that, 2014. And so he has, he's done a few races around here, trail races that I was, I've done too. Um, but the main one is called the Mount Sentinel Hill Climb. And Mount Sentinel is the main mountain in Missoula. Like it's the one we run all the time. Oh yeah. And so he had the record up Mount Sentinel. Uh, he got it in like 2016. He ran like a 19... 19- 45 or something like that and all the guys in town were like yeah jim's record you'll like it's impossible uh but they were always like adam you could you should go for it like and so one day like the week before the moab trail marathon i just time trialed at mount sentinel as hard as i could and i ended up running like 1840 and i was like i was so (laughs) excited because i was like look like i know jim was ultra runner then like he was doing 100 milers but I was like, I just blew up his record. Like there's a shot here. And so I think after that moment, I was like, okay, maybe I can be really good at this. But then again, I didn't know, like, you don't know like what the conditions were the day Jim did that. And like, maybe he was in the middle of like 150 mile week. Um, But yeah, I definitely, I feel like early on, I was fortunate enough to like have a metric to compare to. And I was like, okay, well maybe there's something here, but yeah, so I've been lucky to have it work out so far. I think that having a Strava segment world tour would be a really cool thing for the sports. So maybe the next place you can go is over to, uh, what is it, Mill Valley, California. I think Mount Tam is another famous hill climb that a lot of people, Walmsley included, have gone and attempted and battled over. I know Mount Sentinel is a classic one. Here in Salt yeah. Lake, it's Grandeur Peak. If you ever get a chance to come back here, maybe you're passing through for Speed Goat, uh, the West face of grandeur peak is like the crown jewel for mountain runners here and there's a guy named jason dray that has it and his time has been like untouched and again very all the locals myself included like oh this is never going down it's never going down and uh i kind of love that i love it when there's just like a local yeah no that's really cool i love it when there's like a local mountain that just has this allure because you know everyone's training on it like everyone sees it every day in town and it's yeah, no, I love that. Yeah. I'll have to look up uh I'll look up the segment you were talking about. It's funny, I actually hiked up Mount Tam on Sunday or on, on Monday after the race. Um yeah, it was unbelievable. I couldn't go faster than forty five minute miles. I was so sore. But it was cool. It was, I loved it up there. It was sweet. Well, I want to do this next question uh separated in, in two different time horizons. First, I'm curious if you have any specific goals for the sport over the next like 12 to 36 months. So like one to three years. And then whether you also think about the sport in like longer time horizons, like five to 10 years, like do you even want to be in the sport at that point? Like how do you think about your future and your legacy and stuff like that? Yeah. I, I guess now, I guess now I'd like to start transitioning to longer races and trying stuff like that. I think, uh, I think I'm not really interested in like the short, like U S mountain running championship style races right now. Um, so yeah, I'm like more excited about races, like, like we're talking about like Western States or UTMB, 
Um, and especially now that Hoka has put so much energy into the UTMB series, like I'm, I'm really excited about that, yeah. which that's really lucky too. You know, I, I think some people are sponsored and their hands are tied that they have to do like these certain races, but I'm really lucky that I'm with Hoka and they're like supporting these races that I'm also excited about. Um, yeah. So I, I think at least over the next three years, what interests me the most would be like we were saying, like doing Western States and seeing how that goes or doing like CCC or, I, I mean, I'd love to do UTMB. Like that would be so cool. Um, but that actually might be one mm. that it would be good to do like CCC before and get a feel for it before actually like launching into the big one. Yeah. Um, and then like for later this year, like um, the world mountain running championships are supposed to be in Thailand at the end of the year. Um, it's been postponed a couple of years, but because of COVID, but yeah, that's supposed to be in November. Uh, so that would be a really neat race I think to do as well. Um, and the only other goal I have is I want to run a flat marathon. I still have that in me. I, I really want to see how fast I could run a flat marathon. And I guess the goal would be to do that, to qualify for the Olympic trials in 2024. Just going off speculation, what do you think that your top end ability at a road marathon is? Dude, I, I don't really know. Like I, in college, I probably would have said like 218 because I didn't really believe in myself. But like now, I just feel like I'm putting in enough aerobic work all the time. If you combine like running uphill takes way longer. Like I'm putting in like 20 hour weeks sometimes with running and biking and skiing. And I just feel like road marathoners like don't put in time like that. Like I feel like now that I'm a trail runner, mm. I'm starting to train more like a Nordic skier where it's like all about time. And it's not about necessarily about like yeah. the miles you're hitting. And so I'm kind of interested to see like if that actually carries over to doing well in a road marathon or if I would just like go out at five minute pace and then blow up. But yeah, I'd, I'd like to think that yeah. I could run under 215. Um, I guess it just depends how cool. long of a block I have to actually put in. Um, but it would be cool to like actually really commit to it for like three months. Um, it's just hard yeah. finding that yeah. window of time to not interfere with actual trail races. Well, it's cool, man. You you mentioned uh, how your self belief system sort of changed after college, and I'll just say this: I, I've now done five of these golden ticket interviews post canyons, and the, everyone has different physical skill sets and frames of mind. But the one common thread between all five of you so far is a very very strong sense of self belief, which is just very interesting. I don't know where I'm going with that, but it's just it's interesting that everybody uh, who got a ticket last uh, last Saturday just has that asset in their back pocket. Like they believe in themselves. They believe in like that growth mindset. It's very interesting. So just yeah. wanted to say that. No, for sure. I feel like you have to, if you want to be successful. Yeah. So anyways, couple, couple, uh, by the way, really enjoy this conversation and uh, appreciate your time. Couple miscellaneous questions before we close out. I'm curious what your why is in the sport. You've been running for a while now. If you date it back to high school, middle school, et cetera, mm -hmm. why do you still care so much about the sport? What gets you out the door each day, excited to, you know, push limits and stuff like that? Yeah, for sure. I think, I think now I'm just excited so much about trails and ultra because it really is like different, you know, like you said, I've been running for a long time, but 
uh, it's funny, like some, I remember talking, I was talking with Dylan Bowman and he's like, oh yeah, like you're a, just a young guy, like a new guy in the sport. And to me, I'm like, I'm 26, like I'm pretty old. I've been running forever. (laughs) Um, So it's exciting to have that like fresh outlook, like, like, yeah, I've I've been running for a long time, but it's, it's a lot of this is new. Um, And a lot of these races are just new and exciting and uh so i'm I, yeah i'm excited about the competition like i love that i love i love being able to test myself against these races and other competitors um but i think the the biggest difference for me is like dude being a trail runner or ultra runner in montana like and getting to explore every day like i just love that it's it's like what i always like to do growing up you know like being outside like biking and running mm. And getting to do that now as like a grown man, I just like every morning I get to go run around on some trails or like run up a peak and then the afternoon, like go out biking and, or go skiing in the winter. Like it's just a really cool lifestyle. And, and then you get to share these experiences like with your friends. And, um, I think that's what keeps me going is that it's not only like the competition and then the structure of training for these races, but the fact that you just get to see like, these really neat places and like you just get to go to all these wild spots in Montana or, or anywhere really. Is there anything that you used to believe strongly earlier on in your running career that you have since changed your mind about? And if so, why? Uh, I used to think that all successful runners or athletes, it was like purely talent uh and i don't i just don't really think that anymore like of course there's there's like very talented people in the sport but no one's a slouch like so i just read a book by chris bosch uh it was called letters to a young athlete and that kind of like hit the nail on the head for me because this dude is like six foot ten so he's like naturally extremely talented in his height And yet he was talking about like he had to work so incredibly hard to be successful. Uh, Like he just said he had to outwork like all these people. And yeah, I think I just think when I was younger um, and in college, I just thought like the best people were just the best people because that's the way they were born. Um, But I think now I'm starting to realize like it's the time that you put in and like the belief that you have in yourself too. I got two books to read now. I got the Dina Castro book. I've got the Chris Bosch book. This is awesome. We'll link to oh, it yeah, all in the show yeah. notes. No, the Dina, yeah, the Dina one was my favorite for sure. We'll, we'll link to it for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. On that same thread, any other good books or movies or, or podcasts that you've consumed recently that you think the audience might be interested in? Oh man, those are the two good ones. I, I don't always consume like very good content. Like, the other day I just watched Zoolander and that was so funny. So, uh, yeah, I would say those two books. And then I think right now I'm reading a book. It's called the ancient art of stoic joy, but it's pretty early on It's early days. So, uh, to be determined so far, so good though. Last question. I always ask guests if you could put a message on a billboard for all to see, what would it say and why? Oh man. Uh, well, now that we're talking about it, what's that quote? Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. That's what I would say right now, but I think that's just because we were just talking about that. 
That's good, man. Hey, this has been awesome. Uh, like I said, I was totally wrong with my prediction heading into the race. You uh, <laughs> totally you showed fair. definitively that you are you've arrived. You're definitively there, right atop the uh, the the sport right now. And um, man, I, I think in addition to just walking us through the race day experience and your plans, I think you just gave the listeners a lot to think about and to apply to their own training and, and running lives. And that's always a win win on this podcast. So I really appreciate that. And um, yeah, I'll make sure to link to all your socials in the show notes in those books. Is there anything else you want to leave the audience with before we go? Oh, man. Uh, well, stay tuned. I'll, I'll be announcing uh, which race I choose to do probably, oh, sometime this weekend or next week. But yeah, I'll either way, I'll be really excited to do it. And yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I love, uh, I just love how much you're promoting the sport. And I think it's, it's all really good for it. And yeah, we need more people like you because it's great. Cool. Hey, I appreciate that. And one more thing, is it fair to say that you're leaning towards Western States right at this moment? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. As of today, as of today, I, it's fair to say that. Cool. Well, man, uh, I hope we get to chat again soon. And if you're ever rolling through Salt Lake, hit me up and I'll do likewise when I'm going through Missoula. And uh, yeah, thanks again. Yeah, thanks, man. You'll have to, uh, you'll have to send me that Strava segment again. Maybe we can head up there, up Grandeur Peak. If you come down here to Salt Lake to do that, I'll promise you this. I'll grab a video crew and uh, a narration crew and we'll make a YouTube video out of it. Oh, sweet. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. (laughs) Those hill climbs are brutal, though. I'm kind of nervous just thinking about it. Well, cool. Talk soon. Yeah, thanks so much, man. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Adam. We will be back later this week with more interviews from the Canyons 100K top finishers, including Leah Yingling, Jasmine Lawther, and Jared Hazen. Before we go, as always, if you haven't done so already, please hit that subscribe button and consider leaving a rating and review wherever you listen to this podcast. It helps more trail runners discover the show. Until next time, I'm your host, Finn Melanson, and you have been listening to the Single Track Podcast.